What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast, where we talk about all things related to athletic performance, rehabilitation, and wellness. Today's episode is going to be hosted by Dr. Lauren Falk, and she is going to talk to Abigail Michon, our new front office coordinator at Kinetic Sports Medicine and Performance, and also a former D3 collegiate heptathlete and multi-event coach at UW-Whitewater. So uh, this is a great episode. It'll give you guys a chance to meet Abigail, but it will also give you guys a chance to listen to Abigail's story of going through not one but two hip injuries in high school and collegiate athletics and how she bounced back to make to qualify for a national championship in her hip, as a heptathlete. We'll also walk through her experiences of bouncing rehab and training and then her transition from high school athlete to college athlete and then ultimately from uh, college athlete into being a part of, a, of Kinetic as a team member. So this is a really great episode. It's a great chance to learn from someone else's experiences and then also meet our newest staff member. Welcome to another episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lauren Falk, and I am joined here with our new administrative assistant, our athlete service coordinator, Abigail Michon. Abigail actually came to us prior to working with us as a collegiate athlete, a multi-eventer, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, But we want to first break down a little bit about her athlete and injury history so she can share with you some of her experiences battling injury while still competing. And then we'll talk about what brought her here since she loves us so much. So, Abigail, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. (laughs) So first things first, Abigail, why don't you tell us a little bit about your most recent athletic background? So recently I just graduated from UW-Whitewater and there I competed track and field for five years. And for track I did the pentathlon and the heptathlon and then I also competed a year of gymnastics there as well. Earlier on in your time. Yeah, about sophomore year. (laughs) (laughs) Now during your time there you actually had quite a handful of achievements especially nearing the end of your time there, what were some of the major competitions that you attended and what you achieved at the end there? Yeah, so every year I score points at all the conference meets and everything, but the end goal is obviously nationals, and the school record was always a goal of mine, and I just missed the school record indoor, but I got to go to nationals for indoor, which was pretty exciting highlight to finish out my career. And then I also qualified for outdoor nationals at our conference meet, winning and getting the school record. So that was, those were my three goals going in and well, <laughs> pretty crazy the that end. they came out. <laughs> we checked them off at the end. And Whitewater is a very competitive team for Division Three uh, athletics. Yeah, and the female side definitely has been going through some rebuilding the last few years. And the men's side has definitely kept a pretty strong rate. So it's pretty exciting that we're able to take three females to outdoor nationals rather than just one or none. So it was pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. And and that's the the challenge of track and field is like in so many ways, I mean, there are ways you can enter as a team, but in so many ways it's an individual sport, you know, so you getting there is much from your own work. Yes. You know, getting there as much as anything else. So it's, um, it's a different beast of a sport in the collegiate arena that you can't rely on 10 other people like you can on a soccer field to help you get to, those higher level competitions it's really on you and your individual performance to get yourself there yeah there's no subbing out you gotta compete (laughs) to qualify you might wave the flag sometimes (laughs) i'm done i'm good Um, but so i met abigail almost two years ago i want to say 
I would say over two years. Yeah, probably two years ago. In the world of COVID, it's a little gray. Um, But I met Abigail about two years ago where um, she came to me for care with her hips uh, because she's um, having hip pain while trying to compete and needed additional support outside of what she could get in the training room. And so she came to see me. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your, maybe the main stories of your injury history, because it is pretty intensive and it stems from what you were participating in as like a child and in high school and kind of where that brought you to where you are now. Yeah. So I've done it all. I was a competitive gymnast my whole childhood. Um, that's obviously high level intensity, lots of stress on the body, went through the aches and pains of a child, like a very active child, I should say, feet, heels, knees, hips, back. But those were all just like, I hurt that I get better. Yeah. But then going into high school, I was doing cross country in the fall for my school, playing club soccer in the fall with that during... Winter, I started with basketball, and then I did high school gymnastics, and then during the spring, I do track, and in the summer, recreational softball. <laughs> so there weren't really breaks, but uh, that's probably what led into, I had those minor, you know, metatarsal stress fractures, they heal, they <laughs> come back, they yeah. heal. <laughs> that was nothing. And then senior year came, and it's uh, August, I'd say, when cross country gets started up, and I was doing fine. I was in shape from training over the summer. And then all of a sudden, warm-up drills were hurting. I couldn't run high knees. I couldn't lift that knee past the 45-degree angle you need to to run. And I was told a few times to stop complaining and do my workout. <laughs> you know who you are. You'll hear this. <laughs> but um, There might be a family connection in there. <laughs> but from there, it was kind of... More of like, we might need to get this checked out. So then I was just having such deep pains in my right hip and it led away from the, just the field or the course and started leading to my daily life where I couldn't, we had five minutes to get to class in the hallways at school and I couldn't even walk then five minutes because I had to stop to gain feeling back in my leg from just everything going wrong and That's kind of tough to deal with mentally as a young athlete. You don't really know what's going on with your body when you're used to functioning. So when I think in high school, like when people have high expectations of you as an athlete, and it's also like the pain that you're experiencing isn't something that people could see. It's not like you had a cast on, you know, that if you're struggling to walk down the hallway and they see that, you know, you can't seem to do this, but you should be able to because you're a big time athlete, like... You know, there's like the mental component of that unseen injury that is actually like chewing away at you from the inside. Right. And it almost came kind of unexpected. Like my hips had never like, yes, they've always been a little tight from gymnastics. And yeah, I've had the hip flexor strains. It's kind of pretty common. And a lot of athletes go through that with weaknesses, but nothing so intense that I was like, wow, I can't walk right now. In a few minutes, I'll be able to again, though. And so then I eventually got in, saw Dr. Pifel, shout out, he's my man, <laughs> <laughs> and we tried physical therapy. Obviously, the goal with a younger kid is let's try not to have surgery right measures. away. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so I was 17, going to physical therapy t- probably twice a week or yeah, so, yeah. and yeah, there were things that would help, obviously, 
getting all the treatment done the next day you're like oh i can do everything in the world and Mm. then two days later you're like oh my gosh i can't get out of bed again and so that was a roller coaster i competed cross country towards the end of season after lots of rehabs and all the good stuff and then high school gymnastics season came along all winter minimal practice and all the meets yeah (laughs) uh had great success there too then was track season and obviously that was a big focus for me as I wanted to continue to do it gymnastics was never the plan in college (laughs) (laughs) it's a hard it's a very demanding sport on the body and your time and everything yeah and just once you quit you kind of want to be done and I quit club but felt like I need to be done went back to high school had the best time ever in high school gymnastics and Mm -hmm. The coach respected everything I was going through and yeah. didn't force me through practices to kill myself for every practice. Yeah. And college gymnastics was not that way. So it happens. Yeah. Then track season came all around and it was more rehab and less running. Yeah. So I ran hurdles and both the hurdles, I threw discus. I did long jump, but with my hip stuff, we just stuck to hurdles and discus because we knew I'd score points and. Yeah. The goal was state, obviously, and I swam. I swam almost every day. I'd go to the gym, swim. Oh, you're not in packs. <laughs> Luckily, uh, my dad was track coach, so I had a lot of leniency there. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't like a struggle to get out of practice. He gave me pool workouts. I go and do them. So it was a little sad because I think that team dynamic, the senior year that yeah. a lot of seniors get, and yeah. being as a more of a natural leader myself, junior year, I felt like, okay, senior year, like, we got the senior squad, same people yeah. as last year, ready to go. So that was a little sad, but it was still, like, I'm hoping I motivated a few of the teammates to show, like, you don't need to always be there doing what everybody else is to succeed. Yeah. So yeah, And so then I raced maybe three, four times before state. I made it, and... yeah. PR at state, so PR for no running. <laughs> yeah, but basically, like your physical abilities kept going downhill. Yes. Despite all of your efforts, and that kind of is what led you to the surgical decision. Yep. So then I pretty much made the decision on surgery that winter. So a good four months, five months after like trying a lot of treatment, which is a decent amount of time to try things and not get the results you want. Yeah. So we were kind of like. Well, if it's not going to help, it's not going to help. So, yeah. So that is when we chose surgery. So the week after I turned 18, (laughs) first documents I had to sign legally as an adult were (laughs) for them to cut me open. That's one way to do it. (laughs) So I had the surgery. It went really well. They cleaned extra stuff up. I had FAI as well. So I had hip impingements and got some bone shaving done, labrum repair, other little ligament repairs cleaned up and recovery started from there and went to like a normal PT place and just to get the recovery back went to someone we uh family friend we trust a lot and Mm -hmm. it went well went to Mankato State freshman year so I left the week I got off crutches which was a challenge And being in a new place, not really knowing many people, it was a lot emotionally and physically. So I was still rehabbing a lot. I didn't. I went there for track, couldn't actually practice with the track team at all. Yeah. So I was pretty miserable and decided looking at options to go elsewhere and eventually ended up at UW-Whitewater, 
where I transferred at semester freshman year and was on the track team right away. Started competing, I want to say eight months out of surgery, which was faster than the intended recovery. Yeah. So whether I did it a little soon, maybe, um, but I obviously still listened to my body. There were times where I had to not compete in meets or push like indoor season. I didn't do, I had to start an outdoor season and man with COVID, I still have eligibility. I could compete (laughs) for four more years. It's like the system that never ends because of the COVID year. Yeah. It's like your body's finally like you need to graduate college though. (laughs) Start adulting. So true. So true. So during your time um, in college, obviously things were going all right, but then a few years in, you started to have more pain and problems, and that's kind of when you came to see me. Yeah, so I got to meet Dr. (laughs) Lauren Falk (laughs) because she worked with a lot of the Muskego athletes, and with my dad working with those athletes coaching, he knew of her, so I was went up to him one day and was just like, I think I need physical therapy, I don't think my program that I'm doing right now is going to do it for me. I just have so much discomfort in that hip I had repaired. So discomfort like going down my leg, causing me the good shin problems, the feet problems that really just come along with compensation for my hip. Yeah, you had it all going on. Which we learned very quickly. Lots of weak spots. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I come every week and every week I come and I'm weak. (laughs) It's all peeling back the layers of the onion of the injury. Lots of layers of this onion. (laughs) (laughs) And so then I started working with Lauren and my dad kind of warned me it'd be on my own type deal. So I come in and get your work done outside. And I got to do what I'm told outside of them. And it worked. It's magic. I mean, it was pretty crazy. The results I've seen off of less training and more rehabbing. So... Mm -hmm. Eventually, my days started looking like show up to practice an hour early, rehab for an hour, warm up, do a little more rehab in there, Um, start with some lighter drill work, and then most likely only do like one of the five things that multis would do in a day. You prioritize your efforts each day. Right. And they're very rehab focused, which is what personally I needed to do to... And we would also look at, like, what were your challenges? Like, there were some challenges that we were having with high jumps. So we were looking at how are you loading into that leg to push off or things like that, you know, really trying to be specific in our rehab efforts once we got past the general stuff. And we were able to kind of see it pay off. There's a handful of times that your events kind of modified themselves. I'm pretty sure your long jump leg switched. (laughs) once during our time together but because we could identify strengths of yours and what you're capable of and tried to use it to our advantage um but just as a disclaimer not most athletes of mine do a full rehab only a few minutes of practice and then rehab again but when you come with a number of things that abby had because it was like hips down because of all of her overuse injuries and stress into her lower legs her knees her feet things like that we had a laundry list of items that had to be addressed all at one time. And the challenge that she had is that she was still competing. So, you know, it's really easy to like step away from your sport for a season, just focus on your rehab. It's a much more linear experience of like, you know, cause you basically remove all the pounding and breakdown that's going on. And it's a lot easier to just focus on your rehab help yourself feel healthy and move on. 
but very much so, especially as like a collegiate athlete, in theory, you have a clock. Obviously, with COVID, you gained Lord Lots knows how many time. seasons left. <laughs> but usually, you have a clock of five years or less in all technicality if you had a redshirt year in there. Right. So when the clock is against you, you're still trying to participate as much as you're able, as long as it's safe and healthy. Um, but during that time, like, we had a lot more ebbs and flows in your experience because, you know, like, when you weren't training as much, we'd feel really good. Mm-hmm. But then as volume ramped up or you had a big competition where you participated in all your events and things like that, we might come back a little beat up, <laughs> have to do some damage, <laughs> have to do a little damage control, you know, kind of get everything back in check and then slowly progress. And sometimes we're not progressing rehab. Sometimes we're holding on to status quo so that way you can do your participation knowing that there were more things on your plate. So this it was this balance of all of these moving parts in order to keep you going during your season, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's a coach being willing to cut back your volume or listen to you if you're telling them you're having a hard day or, you know, dropping down to three-step approaches versus doing a full run, you know, Mm -hmm. things like that where we had to modify activities and you're lucky that you had a coach that kind of respected your needs for the most part. Yeah, I would say with that too, you just have to be your own advocate. No one, no one is going to be better at it than you are. And you just have to build the confidence. Um, I luckily, like I mentioned earlier, like my dad was my high school coach for track, obviously not for all of my other sports, but Mm -hmm. it kind of like he worked with me and taught me that, that way to speak up for yourself. And I don't think a lot of young athletes realize how much they really can say for themselves and do it in a respectful manner with their coaches and meet in private and really get off your chest because I think it would have been a very different and torturous experience for me if I didn't have that connection with my coach to really lower my workload because some people will still have that mindset of the more work you do the better you're going to get but It's about what that work is. It might not be numbers. And that can very much happen in track and field. People get very Mm -hmm. much caught up in volume. Volume, volume, volume. And ultimately, sometimes you have to recognize that you're like a quality over quantity person. Mm -hmm. Especially if you're battling injury, that's usually a better option to take that path. To kind of save your body and focus on doing something well. Because with volume going up, quality tends to go down. And then we have residual effects of that. Yeah. And I think I would say, too, like, after having gone through this path with you, you know, I think you, I mean, there were times when, like, life was crazy and we couldn't get our rehab in. And you could tell the difference Mm -hmm. when you're consistently getting your work in versus times we'd get off the rails, which life happens 100%. (laughs) We all understand. But once you say, though, kind of looking at your path throughout your collegiate career, like, being consistent in your self-care made a difference. Yeah, so it really was a roller coaster of rehab. It was, it would be, I know Laura mentioned it earlier, like about how some exercises really have to stay the same for a while. And that was huge for me. Like we would adjust one or two and maybe be like, these are really working for you. Just keep them out, keep them going until they're not. Yeah. And then other times it was like, all right, we kind of destroyed ourselves last weekend at that meet. Let's go back to these basics. Sometimes we had to take a few steps back to take yes. steps forward. There were a lot of back to the basics, but that was good for me because I'd realign myself, my body, my workouts, mm-hmm. and yeah. it just fit right into, like, I was able to fit that in my schedule, too. 
Yeah. Also, in our rehab, I also had feet, shins, hips, back, yeah. elbows. We had a lot shoulders. of lunderous items. We had a lot of things. We were literally almost like head to toe at one point in time or another. Yeah. We're it like, happens. well, good thing my forehead works because everything below yep. that is not working. Yep. yep. There were times that we were wondering if we had to scrap it or not. <laughs> um, but yeah, and that's part of it is that like there's, you know, everyone kind of like, I think people come into rehab or like treated injury and they think, oh, I'm at the bottom, I'm in pain, it's just going to be this, like, I'm just going to chart right up this mountain, and it's going to be a straight line up to the top of success, and I'm going to feel like 100% again, all over again, and in all reality, it is like the world's bumpiest, hilliest (laughs) road, trying to climb that mountain back up to that peak performance, but it's never really that perfectly smooth, where it's like, I'm progressing my exercises every week, every day. <laughs> I could do more every day because it, whether you're competing or not, like you're, the body isn't linear. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of factors at play. And especially with an athlete, like rest, training volume, like school, how, like were you slaving over paper for the last three days that you were crunched over your computer that now all of a sudden we're reaping the backlash of that or, you know, like there's just a lot of factors at play that pretty much no one's rehab is ever like perfectly linear and seamless and nothing goes wrong and everything's perfect. You know, it's just, that's just not reality when you are choosing to be an active athlete and especially one that's competing on a high, on a high level. Mm -hmm. Even the day to day, like one day, man, that exercise felt good and easy today. I'll be able to move yeah. up a band and you come back the next day and you're like, Why now I'm band? back to the yellow band, which is the lightest band if you wanted to know. <laughs> if you're unclear, if you've not been a patient of ours and you don't know what the yellow band is, now you know. It's the easiest one. So when you got to go back down to it, it's sometimes a mental setback, but mm-hmm. that just means your body needs to rework back up to that green medium yep. <laughs> band. And if you're lucky, you make it to blue. <laughs> and blue is a scary road. <laughs> just kidding. But ultimately, we achieved your goals yes. through all of this. And we even did it in the face of picking up a tear on the left side. Yeah, so <laughs> I didn't bring that one up yet. But come, uh, well, fifth year, uh, I so I chose the full fifth year, obviously, for track because it's a spring sport. And I was like, well, if I have to do four and a half anyway, might as well do the full five and yeah. enjoy it a little. And... We hit end of September, October, and I was feeling great. I was doing my workouts. I was able to keep up with them. Feeling really good all around, and bam. (laughs) One day I do my 300s on indoor track, which I did the week before and the week before that completely fine. Got done with the workout. It's like my hip is so sore, and it was my left one now. And I was like, this is so weird. Like, I didn't do anything different. And I got home, went grocery shopping, and was like hanging on the cart the whole time. And I was like, I remember this. Something is not right. And uh, got down and did some homework and got up before bed. It was probably like 10 o'clock. So workout got done by 4. By 10 o'clock at night, I was like, I think I tore my labrum. It went from, wow, I'm sore, to... This feels worse than the right side did. <laughs> and that was uh, definitely challenging news. I was at the heights of my training and really excited to do this last year and feeling great. And then uh, one day, just not so great anymore. And I actually had been able to kind of be more in that process of my rehab. I was on my own more and I'd only do check-ins. Yeah. So... 
that it was like, okay, I'm gonna call up Lauren. I gotta see my doctor, get some scans done just to make sure. And yeah, it was rough. I didn't go to track for about a month or a month and a half. Yeah, we had to get it under control. We had to get the pain under control. and, and And not only that, but I was mentally destroyed. Like, it is not... Um, it is hard to stay positive during a time like that when you just finally got back from that other one. And so a huge part was like, again, my coach understanding, he didn't bother me once, like calling me like, why aren't you at practice? Why aren't you coming in? Like, it was kind of just this unspoken understanding, like she'll come when she's ready. She does her work. Which is great. I know she'll do what she needs to do. So uh, I finally came back after about a month, month and a half. And I think it was kind of just kind of hard being away from the team, and but I needed that time to kind of figure out what I wanted to do and make a decision. And I decided to go non-surgical route, obviously, to compete because no way I would have competed, right? And just to be like, maybe I can manage this one without the surgery. So outcomes are generally good with low grade tears and things like that. Mm -hmm. That conservative rehab can be very successful for that person. Yeah, and. Honestly, when I first started coming to see Lauren, I was dealing with a lot of back pain too. Yep. Just that All I related. never think this is going to go away, chronic back pain. Yeah. And by the time I was on that second hip now, it yeah. was like I it, I was in disbelief. I could not believe I could go days without my back hurting. Mm-hmm. And with doing javelin and high jump and high long jump, yeah. yeah, they just slam your back every day. And it was it was really crazy to me to think, wow. I can feel good. Something that you battled for years. <laughs> right. And so it's just like by working my hips, my back started feeling better. We weren't even necessarily targeting my back yet. Mm-hmm. It was just so bad from everything else. And But there's a lot of relationships there. Yeah. And eventually we did get to the back. Don't yeah. worry. But now it bends. It's crazy. Yeah. But yeah, so that left hip, I started coming in regularly then. No more maintenance. Yeah. And... I literally say I will learn about 40% of my national appearances because there's no way I would have been peaking performance without it. Yeah. it I had tried other rehab. I had tried other stuff. and We made it happen. Yeah. Kinetic made it happen. <laughs> so then she liked us so much that we chatted with her about joining our team. So why don't you talk about that transition, Abigail? Yeah. So... I graduated in May, and originally I was looking for all these full-time jobs, like get right into it, right out of graduation, and then it was, it's obviously a lot to get into the workforce right away, and so then I was like, you know what, why don't I just take the summer, do something light, I wanted to work like on a golf course to be outside, but <laughs> that didn't play out, so I was working in finance yeah, for a little bit. Just doing a traditional business yeah, job. Yeah, and I just knew... It wasn't for me. My coworkers were great, but the job just was not for me. And it was always going to be a temporary job. It was with people I knew. And so then I, every week or every other week, I should say, when I would come to Lauren and I'd be like, man, I've applied to 55 jobs now. <laughs> and I, if I have interviews, it's like, do I really want I also this? do life counseling as a side in, oh, my, yeah. in my rehab. <laughs> Lauren heard more about my life than my body most days. And so then it was kind of like, well, I'm really not liking what, even what I'm applying to is more just to apply to move on. Yeah. And 
then we were talking about it and they were like, well, we could go this route with this job because you are a business major degree and Mm -hmm. that would help our business because none of us are, took a college on to be a business person. None of us went to business school. (laughs) So it was um, interesting in the topic when she brought up, I was like, well, maybe I could do that. So we talked about it and then I went out, talked to all my peoples to figure out what I wanted. And I just felt like it was right. I always wanted to get back into the athletics world with my job in, I still wanted to be on the business side of things, but I did want to work in some sort of athletic facility and not necessarily just be in like a 24 hour fitness gym because that just isn't my interest like that. Right. And obviously, I knew Kinetic and all the people, yeah. and I enjoyed being around all them. Obviously, I spent two years straight with them. <laughs> and so, yeah, then I just, I figured it would be right for me. And I wanted to also, if I wasn't going to work um, on site for over 40 hours a week, I wanted the possibility to coach mm-hmm. uh, track and field, of course, yeah. again. And I had the opportunity and the offer to spend some time with the whitewater multis and coach them so it was a matter of finding the right job to set that up and I actually turned down another position I was offered because I just didn't think sitting in that office space was for me and so when we talked about all the responsibilities and how the growth of the job itself that I could do here and kind of take freedom of creativity with it I thought well, this is great. I can work however many hours in clinic and twice a week I go and coach at Whitewater mm-hmm. now. Yeah. So I just get all my hours in throughout the week and go and coach and eventually meets come up here in a month. So I'll have weekends loaded up with fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, it was well, definitely you've a great done a lot fit. Of collaboration over some of your athletes needs and, and there's a lot mm-hmm. of things that you see and observe here and engage with it, whether it's in your own care or in other things that you're seeing that have transitioned into your coaching role as well. Right. You know, so it was, it was huge. I have so much more knowledge on like preventatives now too. So all my athletes have their minivans. We ordered some (laughs) at the team and, uh, my multis will do like they know me without knowing me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They all, they all know Lauren's exercises. If they ever meet her, they'll be like, you're the one who's behind us having to do these every day. So it's a part of their warmups and their cool downs and, um, more specialized reach athlete. If they have an at home program that I kind of put together with Lauren and Sydney to kind of meet their needs, whether it's like the common shin splints, really simple isometrics to help them. Mm-hmm. eliminate the pain so it's been a lot of help though I think it's helped the athletes a lot too with having that connection that a lot of people just would not have to offer yeah no and and you've been a great fit because you knew our culture before you were ever here um, you know but I think athletes have a very interesting challenge when they leave their athletic environment mm-hmm. um, I was actually just talking with a former athlete about this like there's so much about sports that drives your schedule and the structure of your life and it feeds that competitive itch and it, it just does so much to stimulate you. And then you kind of like go to like adulting and it's kind of like, wah, wah. Mm-hmm. like there, it, it's a big transition mentally and emotionally for an athlete to transition out of the competitive environment and into the work environment at times. And I think that athletes are actually some of the best workers because they have a really good drive. Mm-hmm. But I feel like for you guys, sometimes that fallout feels big. Like you feel like you just dropped into a hole because it's just so drastically different. And so I think like for you, like 
we kind of have the camaraderie here that you kind of get out of like a team. Um, you know, obviously we tell you to come out and take a break and do your exercises, <laughs> but you know, I think that it was a different balance than just being in a very traditional setting job for you. And yes. that helped and just like the engagement and stuff like that and how you get to engage with our clients and their parents mm-hmm. or just the clients themselves if a parent is not involved. Right. Um, you know, that it's a little bit more like that team-like atmosphere that you were once used to versus just being behind a computer and that's what you do. Yeah, and I I definitely need the human interaction. Mm-hmm. I I am unfortunately a customer service gal and like yeah. pleasing people. It sometimes yeah. bites you in the butt, but it is nice and it's nice that I also don't have to be face-to-face with people all day like I can do work on my own and still get those patients coming in every hour and I really enjoy that it's like a good mix of faces but still I get my own time to work Mm -hmm. and also I just feel like I have energy when I leave here like I can go and work out if I want to I was a potato sack besides my exercises all summer like I did my rehab that I still work with with Lauren on but I wasn't necessarily going out right I didn't want to go out and work out and that was a really big change for me because obviously I was on a very structured schedule before that and I just felt so drained from working that I was like I do need a change and that kind of went into our conversation too about working here is that I would be able to like get up and go video record some videos for a social that you'll see Sydney and all the time. <laughs> or, Just you wait if you haven't seen them. <laughs> you wait and see. Yep. And then, and just like the five minute breaks to stretch out my back or stretch yeah. out my legs or take some time. Right. Or just talk to the other team members on our, mm-hmm. in our building. And yeah, it's, it really is a fun environment, especially just, I work at the one at B Fitness, so that's where I'm at. That's where our office is. Um, even just getting to know B Fitness staff, like they yep. pop their heads in and say hi. <laughs> so it's like a huge team within our little team. Yep. So that's it's really great. It. Yeah, that's what's fun about it. And I think, especially with Michael and I having backgrounds in athletics, like being in the training room, we very much, very much want this space to feel like that like where right. it's an open door and you get to see your friends and you mm-hmm. get to have fun. Yeah, yep, we work hard and we work around people we enjoy. Right. So. Now I'm going to do a few lightning round questions. These are questions that Abigail doesn't know the questions. (laughs) So just let me get the chance to get to know her a little bit more if you haven't already. So here's an easy one. It's actually not about you at all. So your dad, (laughs) high school track coach, is known for his motivational sayings. What's one? (laughs) What's at least one that you could think of? All right. Well, I made him a shirt, so I better know. His favorite word is bam. Oh, yes. And he says it at the highest excitement he can because he's a little energizer bunny. <laughs> and his other dawn is he drags it out and it's woo, doggy. <laughs> so those are some of his favorites. He's also rocking J-Man. Yeah. He loves to go with that. Yep. Yeah, he, he's he got has a lot, a lot of one-liners. Of yes. He's got a lot of one-liners. Yes, he does. One-liner man. <laughs> so here's one. So if you were stranded on a desert island... For the rest of your life, and you can only take one food with you, what would it be? You're torturing me. I hate eating the same thing. <laughs> one item. Hmm. I'll give you two. Well, I'll just make it like a meal. Like, obviously, it's like one thing. Mm-hmm. I could probably do... I don't want to say this. It sounded... I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> I was going to say pizzas, because you can make like pizzas with different stuff. But <laughs> I think I get really sick of them. 
I'm horrible at eating the same thing. Yeah. My boyfriend hates that I can't do the same dinner twice <laughs> in one week because he's like, I don't know what to make you anymore. Can't eat leftovers. <laughs> yeah, I suck at eating leftovers even though I was raised on leftovers. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's why. Yeah. Don't give me leftovers on the desert island. So no leftovers on the desert island. <laughs> I'd probably have to hunt my own. You're going to have to swim off and go get something else and come back. I eat leaves off the trees. <laughs> so, we'll, so we'll go with the no one item, one item is what we're going with for you. The whole thing that she would die. Yeah. Okay, so last one. So you have a dog named Cedar mm-hmm. who arguably eats better food than you do. <laughs> Because you specialty make her food all the time. What is one of the top specialty items that you have made for your dog? Well, it's a little, there's a little bit of everything. So my favorite thing to make for her, I home make her treats. So she is gluten free like my friend across the table here. <laughs> so No, I've not tried any of her dog treats. I have taken a bite one and so is my friend. They're just very bland. So it's just mm. oats, peanut butter, pumpkin, yeah. Yeah. eggs, all the basics. And I bake those for her till crunch so she still gets crunchy treats because a lot of them have that gluten in it that you just yeah. don't realize. And then yeah. she's throwing up. But that's my favorite. But something that I have been making her was mashed sweet potatoes. So they're plain. Mm. Yeah. But... I had never really ate sweet potatoes because they creeped me out. But once I started mashing them for her, I'd try them. I'd be like, no wonder you like these. They taste like sugar. So <laughs> so I do make her a lot, though. She gets eggs all the time. Like, not a lot, but like an egg a day. She does have a base kibble, but yeah, she eats way more gourmet than I do. I'm just like, maybe a yogurt tube, maybe an apple. Eat your apple like you had today. <laughs> no leftovers. Lots of crackers. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Cedar's much healthier than do I Do as I say, not as I do. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Eat what I feed you, I won't. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so we'll go one last one. A little bit deeper of a statement. So if you could look back at yourself, this is actually, um, I steal this from Mike Robertson. Um, he does a great job on his podcast, but he always says, like, if you could give your old self, like, a little bit of advice, like, looking back on your experience or whatever, like, what's, like, one little tidbit of advice looking back on yourself that maybe you wish your high school or early college you would have known? That's a tough one. Because a lot builds into, like, who you are. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, yes, I probably shouldn't have done gymnastics as long (laughs) as I did. Um, That's not very generalized. But Mm -hmm. it is something who built me who I am. I think I'm a lot tougher because of it. It's a hard mental environment. And... I would honestly say it's like take breaks as you need them. Yeah. Your your coach is going to be mad that you needed the break. But in the end, if you need that break early or mid-season, that's a lot better than needing the break come the championship season. Yeah, right? totally. Or mentally shutting down and never wanting to do your sport again because that's also a common route. So it's just it really just goes back to advocating for yourself. Like I can't say it enough. enough. It's yeah. just so important to, you know you best. No one knows you better than you do. And if you need a break physically, mentally, or honestly, just from the people, like, yeah. let them know. Have that private conversation. And any decent human being will take the time to. Yeah. I think that's great advice. See? I think you come <laughs> up with something good. And you didn't even know what questions were coming. So no, That was stressful, everyone. <laughs> So I hope you all enjoyed getting to know Abigail. We're very excited to have her as a part of our team here. 
And um, I think you will very quickly see her effect on the clinic space here as well. So we welcome her. We're excited to have her. Uh, she's still my patient, by the way. So <laughs> she's still sticking around I for that. I still need help. <laughs> it takes a while. It takes a while. But um, we hope you enjoyed this podcast. Uh, getting to learn a little bit about her um, ups and downs of dealing with competitive athletics and an injury, as well as her reasons to join us here on this team. So thank you again for your time, and we look forward to seeing you at another podcast. Hey, Dr. Michael here. I want to say a sincere thank you for taking the time to listen to that episode. I hope you got a lot out of it. Dr. Brett, Lauren, and I are all extremely passionate about this podcast and trying to use it to help share high-quality, factual information and debunk some of the common myths and misconceptions that we see around athletic performance and rehabilitation. If you have a minute, we would sincerely appreciate you taking the time to leave a rating and review on iTunes or sharing this podcast with a teammate, coach, or colleague who you think may benefit. We want as many people to be able to hear and listen to this information as possible. Lastly, if you are on social media, head over to our page at MKE Sports Podcast or at kinetic underscore SMP to follow us so that you get all the latest information. We love to engage, so leave a comment on this podcast, tell us what you learned, or feel free to ask us a question. We sincerely appreciate all of the support, and we look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode.